Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Let us pray before we enter into the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for the privilege of standing behind this sacred desk. I pray today, Lord, that you would touch my mouth, set my tongue ablaze. Father, your people need fresh oil. Pour out fresh oil that the words that I speak might be spirit and they might be life. Bless your people now that they might be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our series, which we started last week. And today is going to be, the message is entitled, A Great Name. Last week, we asked the question, what is his name? Came out of Proverbs 31. Today, the question is, it's not a question. It is a statement, a great name. What is so the question is, what is a great name? What constitutes a great name? And this age of technology and social media, we measure greatness by likes, by popularity, and we confuse being known with being great. But we're going to search the scripture today and see what God classifies as a great Name. Last week, we talked about the names most mentioned in the Bible, and I, I referred to the absence of Abraham, which was a shock to me. And so today, we're going to focus on Abraham. Jesus, as you remember, was mentioned 1,528 times, and rightfully so, Jesus the Christ is mentioned the most, followed by David 1,011 times, a man after God's own heart followed by Moses, which seems right, because Moses was faithful over his own house. But Jesus was the son of the house. Saul, interesting. He was mentioned 389 times, but not because his name was great, but because of his failure. Greatness is generally followed by greatness. One of the ways you measure your greatness as a leader, as a parent, as a, a, a contributor to the community and society is what you leave behind, what you pour into other people, what is replicated in others because of what God has put in you. And after Saul, not another king came out of his bloodline. It ended the monarchy of Saul, of the tribe of Benjamin, began and ended with him. That's not greatness. But David, on the other hand, God said, there will never be a time when someone from your loins will not sit on the throne. What was the difference between the two of them? Saul followed his own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. Saul disobeyed the word of God. David followed after God as a deer panted for the water. His soul thirsted for God. Greatness is in our obedience to God, in our reverence to God, in our worship to God. I mentioned two fish, five loaves earlier. 
and everyone who comes out and participates, I want you to know that's an act of worship because we do it unto God. I noticed yesterday while Minister Baldy was praying over everyone who was in line and all the volunteers and everyone who's connected, everyone was silent. No one was moving. That's called reverence. Worship is reverence. Worship is having the object of your worship being the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to come out, to participate. And if you can't be there, so into it, because it is an act of worship. That's the difference between David and Saul. Saul had his kingdom. David managed or commanded the kingdom of God. We realize that all that we have is his and nothing belongs to us. And only what we do for him shall last. And number five on the list was Jacob. Jacob, who was the third person in the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob started out a little rough. Even in the womb, he was trying to overtake his brother, Esau. He was not very honest. He was dishonest. His name meant supplanter. And that's why God had to change him to Israel. And I want to declare unto you today that if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creature. All things pass away and all things become new. And so Jacob, after an encounter with God, changed. And God changed his name to Israel and made his name great. He changed his walk. God wants to change somebody's walk today. For the rest of his life, after he wrestled with God, he walked with a limp. God comes to change our walk. That means to change our lifestyle, the way we do things, the way we think, the way we behave. That's what God wants to do. And when that happens, he'll make your name great. It's not about likes. It's not about clicks. People are into clickbaits because it makes them feel good and popular. And again, I want to emphasize there's a difference between being known and having a name that is great. We're going to take our text from Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. And it reads, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. As we examine this text, Abram is having his first encounter with the true and living God. And like his grandson, God was coming to change his name. God was coming to redirect his life. God was coming to take him out of the pagan culture in Mesopotamia. In ancient Mesopotamia, where he lived, his father, 
served the first king, the first known king in the Bible, and his name is Nimrod. Abraham's father's name was Terah, and he served Nimrod. Abram was a generation removed from the Tower of Babel. And before the Tower of Babel, they had all things in common. There was a common culture, which included a common language, common rituals, common rites. There was one community, but the Lord God came down and scattered them, scattered them across the face of the earth. Before that scattering, the notion of a nation didn't even exist because the people were one. But after the scattering, languages changed, cultures changed. And I wonder what the concept of a nation was in the mind of Abram. So God is making him a promise that he doesn't fully understand. I also want you to appreciate the risk of faith that Abram took. We often talk about him going, not knowing where he was going. But if you study the culture of Mesopotamia in those times, the risk is deeper than that. Because in Mesopotamia, the city was not a dwelling place. It was a place where the grain for the temple was, so they did a lot of worship, but not to the true and living God. They had personal gods, and they had national gods, but they had many gods. They were not monothe... Uh, they didn't have a monotheology, one God. They had poly... They were polytheistic. They had many gods. But one day, this God chose to speak into the life of Abraham. I want to encourage somebody. God pursues us. We don't pursue him. And he doesn't pick us because we're good. Abraham was in Mesopotamia in the midst of a pagan people, but God went to him and said, Abram, I want you to get out of your country. I, I need to sanctify you. I want to set you apart. I want to do something in you that is different. But it required Abram hearing and obeying the voice of God. And not only that, he said, I want you to get out of your country from your family, which in Mesopotamia was sacred. They had rites and rituals when people transitioned from life to death, where they would say the name of the departed and usher them into where their ancestors were. And it was important, and they would say the name multiple times, and it was believed that that gave immortality. But it had to be on the sacred grounds of your birth. God is saying, I want you to leave all of that. I want you to leave everything you know and follow a God that you haven't known until this day. That's faith. He was doing something that he didn't understand. We walk by faith and not by sight. This is an example of walking by faith and not by sight. Some of the concepts that God was communicating to Abraham probably didn't even make sense. 
because of the culture he was in, because of what he knew. And in fact, from the time God took Israel out of the womb, out of the loins of Abram and the 12 tribes, all through all the kings, when they die, when you read in Chronicles and Kings, they say they gathered them together with their fathers. That, came, that started in Mesopotamia. And Abram became a nation just as God said. Whatever God says about you is going to happen. Everything that God said, Abram didn't see in his life, but he believed it. And because he believed it, it came to pass. Abram, the evidence that he has a great name is 2021, and I'm talking about Abram. He wasn't mentioned the most in the Bible, but God gave him a great name. There's no generation where the mouth of Abram doesn't come off the lips of the righteous. Because of his righteousness, he became a friend of God. And through Jesus Christ, I'm a friend of God. You're a friend of God. But it began with the father of faith who started with nothing because he left everything he had in pursuit of a God that he had known until this encounter. He said, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. He didn't know where it was. He had to depend on God to show him. I went to God that we would have the kind of faith that each day we walked in the way that God showed us, that we would be totally dependent on him. Abram didn't have a GPS. He didn't have a map. He didn't have anything but the voice of God to lead him where he was to go. And if wherever he planted his tent, if he wasn't to stay there, God told him to move on and where to go. Oh, this generation would walk in that kind of obedience. We would turn the world upside down. In this information age, we have to know so much information and much of it is not even true. But I want you to know the word of God is true. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never deceive you. And so Abram starts out on his journey to receive the promises of God. And there's something I don't want you to miss. He promised to bless Abraham, but he ended it letting him know you shall be a blessing. There's a purpose in you and I being blessed. And that's so that we can be a blessing. God doesn't bless us for us to be fat, dumb, and happy. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Not to hoard it up for ourselves, but to be a blessing. Not to continue to drink from the fountain and never pour out. We need to be poured out like a drink offering because God desires his people to be a blessing and not just to be blessed. There are too many folk who stop at being blessed and you miss the power of God. You miss the understanding of why God blessed you. He blessed you to be a blessing. And Abraham got that message from David. message. Somebody chat at me. I'm blessed to be a blessing. God bless your people that we might be a blessing. That is the will of God concerning us. God promised Abraham 
that he was going to be a nation. And we know that that nation was Israel that didn't exist when God spoke it to him. See, he's the originator of speaking those things that are not as though they were. And I know he's the one, he still does it. He's the only one who can do it. And if I'm able or you're able to do it, it's because we hear his voice. And it's his voice that speaks it. Who shall command a thing and it comes to pass and the Lord hasn't spoken it? God is the one who speaks those things that are not as though they were. Israel didn't exist, but God said, I'm going to make you a nation. You just go where I tell you to go. Get up and leave your family. His brother had already died. His brother Nahor had died. Abram was the firstborn. His brother had a, a son named Lot, Abram's nephew, and he felt a sense of responsibility. His father, not far into the journey, died. God was taking away stuff that could have hindered Abram. And Abram continued to move forward. So when God said to Abram, I will make you a great name, based on Abram's culture, what registered in his mind? If God says that to you or me, based on the culture we live in, the times we live in, the way we ingest and consume information, it will mean something totally different than what was written. It didn't mean popularity. There was no such thing. It wasn't, there was no internet, there was no radio, there was no television. Word of mouth was the thing that caused continuity from generation to generation. In fact, in the city of Mesopotamia, they also kept all the records. That's how you knew history. It was all by word of mouth. There was nothing recorded. And so for Abram, he understood that as a father, the nation that would proceed from him was going to be a dynasty of kings. He knew something about kings because his father Terah served Nimrod, who was a powerful king, a warrior. People felt safe around him, but he was too ambitious. And he wanted to build the tower up to heaven. And even God said, if they do this, nothing shall be impossible. So Nimrod, in a way, was an innovator. God had to stop him. He said, because if he's successful in doing this, nothing will be impossible to, to them. So let us go down and scatter them. And now as the earth is scattered and the languages are confused, God is telling Abram to go to a place where he doesn't know the culture. He likely doesn't know the language, but he tells him, I'm going to make a nation out of you a concept that wasn't fully developed in his mind. That kind of faith, God will always answer. What is the Lord saying to us right now? You don't have to understand everything God says to you when he says it. But if you begin to walk in it, God will show you. He said, Abram, go to a place that I will show you. God wants to show you something. 
but you're standing still. God wants to show you something, but you're not moving. You got to move in order for God to show it. In the world, they say seeing is believing. In the kingdom of God, believing is seeing. If God's going to show you, you got to first believe. And God knows you believe because you begin to walk in it. God, I don't know where I'm going, but I believe you. God, I can't see my way, but I believe you. God, I feel like I'm groping in the dark, but you see all things. God, I know that you're going to lead and guide me into all truth. So where you lead, I will follow. God wants to show you something. He's ready to show you something, but you've got to move. We've got to move. I've got to move. You've got to move. In Genesis 18, 22, we get a little more insight about this great name that God has given to Abram that clearly isn't about popularity, isn't about Abram being famous. There was no such thing in that time, in that generation, in that culture. But it was about obedience and reverence to the God who's able to do anything. There was a time he had to ask Abraham a question, followed by a statement. The statement was, I am the Lord God, followed by a question, is there anything too hard for me? And that, that says even when we walk, when we're following him, sometimes we hit blind spots and we begin to question God. But he has a word to encourage us. He says, Abraham, I want to remind you who I am. I am the Lord God. And now answer me this question, son. Is there anything too hard for me? And when God asks you that question, the answer is always nothing is too hard for you. And it causes you to keep moving. He knows how to inspire us. He knows how to pull us along. He knows how to push us forward. God is a God whose word can be relied upon, even when you don't fully understand it, even when you don't fully see it. I want you to be encouraged that he will show you. When you go, he'll show. But if you've got to go in order for God to show. Genesis 18 and 22 reads, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Let me say that again in your hearing. In your seed, not seeds, in your seed, singular, all the nations, plural, of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice, herein comes to pass, Abram, I'm, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. In your seed, one seed, I gave you a nation, but all the nations are going to be blessed in your seed. And we know that seed is Jesus Christ, the root and the offspring of David. And through him, everybody was blessed. Now, Abram could not have conceived that when it was spoken. But there's a progression of faith as we walk. 
God shows us more and more. He reveals more. That's what Solomon meant when he said, the, the steps of the righteous shine brighter and brighter unto the noonday. Because as I walk towards the God who called me, the more light he gives. As I obey him, he illuminates my path more. And his word becomes a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Obedience is powerful. Obedience to God. There are people who obey voices that are not the voice of God. They obey people who are not the person of Jesus Christ. They follow after culture. They follow after all these things, but obey God. Lay all that other stuff aside. It's time, and it is the, now is the time where we are to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run with patience this race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you know that's right, somebody say amen. Somebody type amen. Somebody wave your hand. Somebody say, I will follow Jesus. I am going to follow him. Where he leads me, I will follow. And whatever he shows me, I'm ready to go. Lord, if you show me, I'll go. Let's go a little bit deeper. Genesis 12, 6, and 7. I just want to say, I'm looking forward to the day when this place is full. We got a bigger team in here today. Got about a half dozen people. It makes, I feel my help. It's good when I see somebody waving their hands. It's good when I hear somebody say amen. God is able to move in the midst of his people. It's been almost 13 months that we've been doing the live stream, and I'm grateful to God that he allowed me to do it. But God, I covet to be in the presence of your people. Cause us to gather together, even though we're scattered. Let your spirit brood over every house, that we might abide in one spirit. Even now, God, you're able to do it. Rest into that living room. Rush into that family room. God, go into that bedroom. Go into that kitchen. And let your presence be felt, that we might be one body and one spirit in you, under one blood. It is so, and so it is. Genesis 12, 6 and 7 says, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moray. He built altars there. That was one of his favorite spots. You could say that's, that was Abraham's church. When he traveled, he would often stay there. And one of the patterns that he developed was building altars everywhere he went because he needed the guidance of God. That's why we asked at the beginning of the pandemic that you built an altar in your house because Abram realized that I need to be intimate with this God because he's different than the personal God that my father had. This God is different. He speaks, he hears, he communicates, and he always delivers. He comes through. And so he built 
altars. And it says, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, see, he appeared. He's a God you can hear, a God who reveals himself. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He said, I I saw my people in Mesopotamia taking grain to the temple, doing sacrifices, building altars in the city to a God they've never seen, worshiping a God that didn't really know them and who they didn't know, but you are a God who appeared. I got to build an altar. So every time I come by this place, I'll be reminded and I'll say, come by here, Lord. Come by here. Your servant needs to hear from you. But I want to show you the continued progression. He's still Abram, not Abraham yet, the father of many. He's still Abram and God allows the soles of his feet to touch the promised land. The promised land. That God promised to Abraham, he said, this land, I know they're still in it. I know they look like giants. And Abram, you're not ready to hear this, but there's a secret I could tell you. And the Bible says the secret things belong to God, but that which is revealed are for us and for our children. So there's a secret that we know that Abram didn't know. That in the generations of him, they would see those giants and they would fear them. And they would say, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. But God promised their father that land. He was able to give it to them. They took the grapes as evidence. The grapes were so big that it took multiple strong men to carry bushels. We can't overtake them, but there were two young men who said, we're able to do it. God is able to give us the land. Moses, let's go up. But the report of the 10 spies contradicted the good news of the promise that Joshua and Caleb had. 40 years later, when Moses passed off the scene and Joshua led the people, he was passing out the land and Caleb said, God, through the ser- his servant Moses, promised me this mountain. By now, Caleb is, Ca- Caleb is 80 years old. God wants to encourage somebody who thinks their best days are behind them. Caleb is 80 years old. He looks at the mountain and he says to Joshua, you remember the promise of God through his, the mouth of his servant. He said, now this day, give me this mountain. I'm well able to take it. I feel just as strong as I did when I was 40 years old. I'm 80, but give me this mountain. I ain't scared of no giants. God promised me this. God is able to slay the giants. And Caleb took his mountain. But even in Joshua's generation, they never took the promised land. They took much land. They passed out much land, but not the land of promise. Then the time of judges came after Joshua. And that same land Moses uh, or Abram was standing on that God promised him, Samuel, Samson, 
Zerubbabel or Gideon, none of them, Deborah, none of them took that land. But there was a young little ruddy boy by the name of David, who was a man after God's own heart, who wasn't even respected in his father Jesse's house. His other brothers, Abinadab, they all look good, even to the prophet Samuel. Surely he's the Lord's anointed. God said, nope. I refused him. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. There's a heart of a lion in a young man. And I want to bring the lion of the tribe of Judah out of his loins. Go get him. And Samuel said, we will not sit and eat until you go get your other son. And when David walked in, God said, anoint him. And he took the oil, a big flask of oil, poured out the oil. I went to God that in the spirit, God would pour out oil on you, young man, on you, young woman, who've been overlooked. You've been overlooked. Even in your family, they don't know the potential that God has in you, but they're looking at the outside. God is looking at your heart. He's got something for you. And that young man, God raised up not only to slay Goliath, not only to slay his ten thousands when Saul slayed, slayed a thousand and the women had a parade for David, which made Saul jealous. But David entered the promised land. He took the city that God had in mind. It was called Jebus. And David was the only one who took Jebus. And then he fortified the city. He built a fortress from the outside in. So the enemies could never penetrate it. And all his life, he reigned. He brought Judah and Israel together and combined the kingdom and he never lost a battle. Young man, young lady, I want you to know you've been overlooked too long. I hear God saying it's time for you to fortify yourself. God is going to show you how to fortify and to build from the outside in. You will never lose a battle. Your losing is over. You will never lose another battle. God is standing up to, for you, to fight for you. Abram is seeing the progression of the promise of God as the will of God is being revealed. As you go, God will show the, every step you take will be light that shines brighter and brighter unto the noonday. God desires that his word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. A great name, a great name. We know Abram became Abraham, the father of many, but his greatness was in his seed, in his seed not his seeds. And so we know that Jesus is Lord and he came out of the tribe of Judah to fulfill the promise of Abram being a blessing to all nations and all nations of the earth will be blessed in him and through him, but not by him. They're blessed by Jesus Christ. The singularity and exclusivity of his divinity as one Lord is central. The polytheistic stuff that Abram used to believe, he realized that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one God. 
So he went from polytheism to monotheism, believe, believing in many gods to knowing that there's only one God. When we talk about a great name, here are just a few things that let us know that the name of Jesus, I'm transitioning from Abram now, I'm even transitioning from Abraham to the great name, the name that's given under heaven among humankind, whereby we must be saved. That name isn't Abram, that name isn't Abraham. Abraham is well respected. The three largest religions in the world Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all regard Abraham as their father. And you understand how, why the Muslims claim him because they're sons of Ishmael. And God promised that he would make Ishmael a great nation. But the seed was in the free son, not in the bond son. But God promised that to Ishmael so I can see why they would embrace Father Abraham. The Jews so embrace him that Jesus, in telling a parable with the rich man and the, youth and the ruler, talked about the poor beggar, Lazarus, who was in the bosom of his father Abraham. That's a picture of us in the bosom of God our Father. So the tradition of Abraham continued continued. But I just want you to know that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the one mediator between man and God. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. He's the Son of man. He's the Son of God. He's the word that became flesh. He's the name which is above every name. And every knee, every Jewish knee, every Islamic knee, every Buddhist knee, every Hindu knee, every Christian knee, every niche of every atheist knee, every agnostic knee, every stoic knee, every epicurean knee, every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There were people in his day who didn't understand that. Even those to whom he was sent, he tried to tell them who he was. He had a conversation in the eighth chapter of John, verse 56 through 59, where he talked about Abraham. And he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Here is the era of unbelief. 
Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see his day. And they responded by talking about his age, time. Jesus never said, I saw Abraham's day. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So they were talking about time to one who came out of eternity. And Jesus said, okay, if you want to flip the conversation to that, then let me tell you something about myself. You say I'm only 50 years old, but before Abraham was, I am. I am is a present tense. It's always present. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. He said, I am. Does that language sound familiar? Remember Moses was going into Egypt and he said, Lord, who shall I say sent you? Tell them I am sent you. And they picked up stones. They got angry because they said, surely this is blasphemy. He's making himself equal to God. Well, his divinity can't be questioned. Whether you believe it or not, he is who he says he is. Whether you accept it or not, or whether you reject it, he is who he says he is. He is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And no one can come to the Father except by him. These people who are arguing with him and ready to stone him claim God as their father. And they didn't know him. If they only would encounter him the way their father Abraham did, they would have rejoiced to see his day. God is looking for those who will receive the word with gladness and rejoice because when you receive the word, you see his day. When you receive the word, you know the truth. Truth makes you free. Everything else is bondage. It's only the truth and the spirit of God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I pray that there is liberty in your house. I pray that God would give you a great name. It's not about popularity. It's not about being famous. In fact, there are those today who built a great name and many followers and now they're being stoned by the very people who lift the, lifted them up because they choose to tell the truth when the people want to embrace what they want to embrace and it's amazing how God does what he does I believe God is sending the word that he's sending today because as he's shaking things, he's purging, he's cleaning up. He's cleaning up those who are part of his bride so that he can present to himself a glorious church. He's cleaning up those who say they're prophets and they're not, who say they are believers and they're not, who have a lust for power and who have believed a lie and who prophesy lies. God is saying it's time out for that because my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow.
God is weeping in heaven because so many are following strangers, but I want you to be encouraged. I got good news. God is not going to allow that to stand. And so may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, make you a great name. And may he, not according to the world's standards, but according to heaven's standards. And may he bless you so that he can make you a blessing. This is not about a prosperity gospel. This is about your soul prospering. God will, will never prosper me or you above the prosperity of our soul because when our soul prospers, if riches increase, we won't set our heart on it because our treasure is in heaven, not on the earth. What shall it profit a person to gain the whole world and to lose their own soul? Let the world chase temporary power. Let them continue to lust for power because we know there is no power except the power of God. Everything is moving by the power of God. And so I want to pray with you right now. God is speaking to you right now. And if you're in him, he wants to take you higher. If you're outside of the gates looking in, he's saying, come in. He's calling you up higher. Father, I pray for your people, no matter where they are in you, even if they're outside of you right now, you promise that if you be lifted up, you would draw all unto yourself. I join together in faith with every believer right now in lifting you up. We lift your name on high. And so now God do what only you can do. Draw, draw somebody's tears put their tears in a bottle draw them unto yourself God those who know you who've strayed who want greater intimacy speak to them and let them know that you haven't left them you haven't given up on them no matter what they've done you love them you continue to pursue them God there's somebody who needs to be pursued like the prophet Hosea pursued Gomer Bring that backslider back. Let them know you're married to the backslider. You're still a bride because he's married to you. He will never forsake you. Yes, you've forsaken him, but he loves you so much his heart is broken. He's waiting for you to come back home. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they, I don't care if they're like scarlet. I'll make them white. Crimson can be made white. I'll do it for you because I love you that much. Come now. Come now. Father, I thank you for receiving those who have submitted to you. May they walk in obedience to your word. May they follow the example of faithful Abram, who you changed to Abraham. And as they walk in obedience, may they be fathers and mothers of many. May they not be disobedient like Saul, whose beginning was his ending. 
that nothing came out of his loins that continued the dynasty that you started. God, may they be like David, who obeyed you and never lost a battle in his life because you fought for them. Fight for them now, God. In the name of Jesus, release your power. Let the ministering spirits surround them. God, I pray for the righteous who have many troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God, the good news is you deliver them out of them all. Deliver them now. God, deliver that pastor who's discouraged, who wants to know why I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm looking for intimacy with God, but there's no help. Let him know, God, that it's time for him to submit his will to your will. Just as your son was in agony and said, take away the cup, but then came to the place, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I pray that pastors everywhere would submit their will to you, that they might understand the suffering, that they might see the suffering and the sacrifice as fellowship with you, that they might say as your servant Paul, that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. There is no resurrection if something doesn't die. And so God, let the dead things be let go and let new life spring forth in your ecclesia. God, we beseech you now. We see what you're doing. And God, as you continue to shake the earth, may your people be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor shall never be in vain with you. And although the church doors are yet closed, the ministry of the gospel continues. Not just the ministry of your word, but the ministry of helps, the ministry of touching people. Show us, show us so that we can go. God, if you show, we'll go. Give us innovative ideas. Give us creative ideas. Show us what to do. God, when we don't know what to do, our eyes, our gaze is upon you. May our gaze never stray from you. May we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And now, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto you. May he shine his face upon you. May the Lord give you peace. May he bless your seed unto a thousand generations. And may you know that he is for you. He is with you. Go in the power of God and keep the faith. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.